We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mailbag time. Again, not too many questions. Keep putting them in the chat if you haven't already. And we'll work through as many great questions as you guys provide. As this always. is more of a so. comment to start off with things, Ryan. Yeah. Irish for Life says, dropping my like off while I can. I like off while I can. Just want y'all to know I love he's you. Hit, he came in, hit the Thanks. like, and then he's got to leave. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Just want y'all to know I love you. Thanks, Squirrel. Be Driz. VD21 and all of IB Nation. God bless. God bless you as well. Appreciate you, man. I know you got some stuff going on, buddy. I hope you're hope you're doing well. Hope you're battling through, man. Thinking about you for sure. He's been around. He's one of the he's been around for I think from the beginning, very close to the beginning of of the I, of IB. We had Rob Osgood. What's up, Rob? Hey guys, sometimes you have to get your butt handed to you in order to grow. Can't change the past, but the response was what is important. Go for broke, New Year's Six Bowl, and win it. I mean, that's, I mean, Ryan, you can almost point to almost every championship team. Almost everyone that I can think of went through some embarrassment that led them to get where they, where they needed to get to. I mean, you think of, you think of Ohio State's championship run. It was fueled by a late season collapse in 2013 that resulted in, in, in Urban Meyer making changes on the defensive staff, got rid of Everett Withers, brought in Chris Ash next year. They got their butts kicked there early, but that that was part of the building process. End of the season as national champs. I mean, what was the what was the catalyst to to, to Dabo making the changes that ultimately led to Brent Venables? It was getting humiliated in the Orange Bowl by Washington, like seventy to. I mean, by West Virginia, like seventy to thirty after the twenty eleven season. I mean, they're they're you know Bama getting their butt kicked by Florida and Utah. There's always yep. those type of games, almost always those type of games that lead to. Uh, resurgence. I mean, LSU, what, what led to LSU making the changes they need that led to their 19 title? It was getting their butts kicked in the big by Alabama every year. They couldn't score. I mean, literally couldn't score points, much less enough points to win. I think they lost like 29 to nothing, something like that in 2018 against Alabama. I, I believe that it was something like that. I have to look it up as I'm going through it, but yeah, you always have that because and the reason why Ryan is because to win a championship, you have to show a level of, of of an ability to overcome adversity. You have to. 
I'm sorry, actually, uh, yeah, 2018, it was, yeah, 29 nothing. I was correct. But adversity is something every champion has to eventually overcome in, in the college level. It, I, I can't think of one. I mean, what was the catalyst that led to Notre Dame's last title? It was Notre Dame losing their last three games, getting their butts handed to them by Miami and Texas A&M in the last two games of the year. Miami last game of the regular season, Texas A&M the bowl game. They lost like 24 to nothing to Miami, 35 to 10 to A&M. And Lou Holt said, never again. Never happening to me again. We're going to make changes. And that led to the next year, Notre Dame won a national championship. So, yeah, you he's right. You Sometimes you got to get your butt kicked a little bit in order to grow. And the, and the, and the, the winners handle it well and grow from it. The losers, it becomes the thing that becomes their ultimate downfall. And yep. we're still in the process of finding that out about Notre Dame. But good Lord, what a first step of a response this past weekend because again right it wasn't just that they won it yep. was the energy level that that team had from the start of that game i mean they were flying around snap wonder one i mean i know that they didn't get the pick till snap four but you can see on snap one and two that this team is this defensive line this front came to play today you could just see it from from snap well, I, I think the great thing about football and the great thing about sports is that it lays the foundation for a lot of life lessons. Like, that's why I love it so much. And I think a great life lesson is looking to your past can only get you so far, right? You have to be able to now be resilient and keep moving forward. And you are judged based upon what the next move is, what your next play is. I mean, Marcus Freeman says it all, all the time, right? Like one play, one life. Like it's about the next play being the best play. It's about the next game being the next game, it's about the next season, being the next season. Right. It's about growth, right? right. I, I'm ultimately, at least I hope, I'm not judged based upon the the last year of my life. I hope that I'm judged based upon my next year and the next year because growth is always a thing that we judge people upon. And there is, has there ever been a great coach that was a finished product in year two as a head coach? Has there ever been that guy? Just talking about Marcus Freeman. Like, that's it, it, not a typical thing mm-hmm. as a second year. I mean, people evolve, right? I mean, what was Nick Saban's second year? Was he at Michigan State? Like, you don't you can't tell me that he didn't get better during his LSU tenure, during his right. Alabama tenure. Like, people grow, man. People keep, keep, keep getting better. And that's ultimately what you should be judged upon, in my opinion. Yeah, because his first year, he was at Toledo for a year. And then he was at Michigan yep. State for like five. And he was good at yep. Michigan State, but, you know mediocre first four years and then they finally had a breakout in year five and then his first three years at lsu were good eight and four ten and three eight and five and then boom 13 and one national title right and you know first year at alabama seven and six and then 12 and two they got closer and then year three boom national title so yeah And, and and what was the article i wrote after the louisville loss it wasn't the louisville game shows that marcus freeman ain't that guy what i said was marcus freeman will not ultimately be judged by what happened against louisville he will ultimately be judged by what happens next. Sure. And we're still in that next process. The USC game doesn't fix it all. But as I said, man, what a heck of a first answer coming yep. out of that Louisville game by this football team. Really was. I thought I thought I thought there could be a possibility that Notre Dame might lay a little bit of a goose egg in that game. It's like, oh man, yep. I don't know if they believe in it. Yep. I don't know if they believe. Yep. But his his team believed in him. Let's call it what it is. Big time. They believed in him Big in time. that football game. So it matters. Big time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try it too. We had another question from Steve H. who said, would they take two tight ends in 2025 after taking two in 2024? Obviously, this question is spurned off of if Notre Dame is able to flip Carter Nelson, uh, who is uh, currently committed to the University of Nebraska, who visited this past weekend for USC, we know that Notre Dame is very high on James Flanagan in the 2025 class. They just extended an offer to Lincoln Cure to add him to the tight end board in 2025 as well. Brian, for me, if people keep asking this question, it's a very reasonable question. I think in theory, if you get two tight ends in 2024, you only need one in 2025 to meet a need, but we're in a, we're in a, a, a stage of college football where transfers happen so regularly. We talk about injuries from a year to year basis, basis regressions. I, I mean, think roster numbers just change so quickly for me. Right. So in theory, I think you could just take one in 2025 if you got the two in 2024, but could that change if let's say, yeah, uh, you have a guy that leaves for the NFL maybe earlier than you expected. Maybe Kevin Bauman doesn't come back from an injury. Like, I yeah, just well, think Kevin Bauman won't so even be, he won't be factored in. He'll he'll be done. Oh, Mitchell Evans will probably true. be gone. Yep. Yeah, Mitchell Evans yep. will probably be gone. So then it comes down to you've got Holden Stace, you've got Eli Raritan, you've got Cooper Flanagan, and then you, if you if you do get the two from this year's class, if all those guys are still in the roster and healthy, no, I don't know that you take two tight ends. And, but if, if they, if, if they aren't, then yes. So right now my answer would be no, they won't, but it, it, like, as Ryan said, it could change. Certainly could always change. It yep. could change. Yep. 
Yep. And, but if you don't get, if you only get one tight end in 2024, if it's just Jack Larson, then yes, they will take two tight ends in the 2025 class. Correct. Correct. Yep. And that's why they're still recruiting other tight ends, even though we feel great about where Notre Dame stands with James Flanagan. The reason they're still recruiting other yep. tight ends in 25 is because they don't have a commitment from Carter Nelson. They have not flipped Carter Nelson yep. yet. If they do, that could change things. I also wonder yep. if how, how they're going to view Carter Nelson. I mean, I could kind of see them eventually saying, you know what, dude, we're just going to kind of look at you as like a big boundary guy. Not even really as a they, tight end. I wouldn't. I wouldn't they, think that'd be an absurd funny thing enough. To say. They funny enough. They could view um, Lincoln Cure as that guy too, if that's the second tight end that they try to take. Because he's very similar ish to Carter Nelson no. as far as like he's just a big boundary wide receiver that plays really outside athletic. Numbers too. <laughs> very yeah. athletic. Yeah. The thing I'll say about Lincoln Cure is he has a he has more of a Tyler. I said to you, you and I were talking the other day, and I said, you know, how Notre Dame could use Carter Nelson could be very Tyler Eifert ish. But my caveat was he doesn't have Tyler Eifert's body. Lincoln Cure very much looks like Tyler Eifert body type wise. Like that kid is very athletic, but he just kind of has that. He's going to fill out like really broad shoulders and he's going to fill out really nicely. And he looks a lot like Tyler did when he was younger as well, like body type wise. I'm dreaming of a tight end room that has Carter Nelson, Eli Raritan, Lincoln Cure, and the Jack Larson. Holden Stace. The guys. Yeah. Yeah, James <laughs> yeah. Flanagan. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But 99 problems with BK1. Do you think Jared Parker has it as an offensive coordinator? I asked not as a setup to crush him. Instead, as an opportunity to talk about what you do or do not see that makes you think he'll be that guy. Well, I don't know how anyone can say that they know he's the guy. I don't know how anyone can say that. I also think it it's very premature to say he's not because to say he's not, we're very much living in a recency bias of the last couple games. Cause this is an offense that heading into the Ohio state game, we were talking about had just set a all time program record for most times scoring over 40 points a game. He didn't all of a sudden just forget how to coach football in that period of time. There are some mistakes that have been made. I just kind of had a comment the other day, like, a lot of the same people in the chat and on the message board that are talking about how Jared Parker sucks and needs to get fired are the same people that were saying the exact same thing at Al Golden at the same exact time a year ago. Right. So like, is he that guy? I, I don't know if I, I, I hope he is to be honest with you. I hope he is. I like Jared Parker. I think Jared Parker is a pretty smart football guy, but just because you're a smart X's and O's guy doesn't mean you're a great coordinator. This is, this is, we we know this and I think he's a pretty good recruiter and I think he's someone yeah. who Marcus Freeman trusts. So I hope he's successful, but I don't know. And and as we talk about how Notre Dame's going to finish to me, there's no coach on the staff who has more on the line for his future employment than, than Jared Parker, in my opinion, because yeah. if they finish the way they need to finish, then I think we can look and say, Hey, look, he hit some bumps in the road in the middle of the season. Learned from them, made some adjustments in the bye week, came out smoking. They're in a good place. If the offense just kind of sputters the rest of the way and and your defense plays lights out, even if you go 4-0, you've got to look at it and say, oh, this just isn't working and figure out why. And it, it may be a coordinator problem, right? It may be a position coach problem. It may be a, a practice t- setup problem where you're like, hey, I actually like what we're doing, but we're not doing this. It may be a head coaching problem. I, I still don't know that we know sure. – that this is 100% a Jared Parker problem, right? We don't. But the next four games, to me, are going to tell us a lot. He's got a lot on him. I hope he comes out and rips it up. That's good for Notre Dame. 
yeah. you know, I, I don't necessarily want to see a coaching shakeup this offseason because I want this 24 class to show up. I mean, it's almost kind of worth yeah. it to me if he's just good to just say, hey, let's just get this class signed and get him on campus because you put this class next yeah. to the last couple on offense, Ryan, and all of a sudden you're going to have a loaded room, an absolutely loaded room at quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line. I mean, it's it's still young, a lot to prove, but just from a God-given ability, it would be the deepest Notre Dame offensive football team I've, I've seen since the 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. I mean, yeah. it, it would be that loaded. Well, I, I certainly hope that Jared Parker is that guy. We'll know obviously a lot more of these next four to five games. And I hope that he completely changes the narrative a little bit compared to what we've seen the last four games, for instance. Brian, I also kind of curious, like, if you decide that Jared Parker isn't the guy this offseason, what happens to Jared Parker? I mean, it's not, I mean, is he going to be okay with just taking a demotion back to being a tight end coach I and wouldn't. losing that title? Like, I, yeah. most guys wouldn't be, right? Like, there's a rare occasion where a guy's okay with that, right? But, like, most of the time, nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So but, Ryan, weird. even if he's okay with it, do you really yeah. want that power dynamic in your room? Right. You know, it, it can create some – now you've got a former offensive coordinator at quarter, a tight ends coach, at quarterbacks coach, at offensive line, and then you're going to hire a new quarterbacks coach. And here's the thing. If you're going to keep Jared Parker, who's who, who's gone? Who, who's gonna, who's leaving that's going to open up this, this said offensive coordinator position? Do they just keep Jared right. Parker and then promote Geno to play caller? I don't have a clue what they're uh, going to do. And no and I hope that we don't have to find out. I mean, look, the best thing for Notre Dame, whether you, some of you, and, and I take his question as not an anti-Jared Parker question. It's a very fair yeah. question. It's a very so it's It's an open question. forum to have the discussion. Yep. Yes. They've played four good defenses this year, and they played poorly on offense in three of those games, in my opinion. Yep. Average to poor in three of those games. That's a very fair question. But I think yep. anyone that, that cares about what's best for Notre Dame should want Jared Parker to kind of figure it out and get rolling sure. because creating continuity on this offensive staff is the best thing for him. They can't just keep, you know, dialing a coordinator because anyone that you're going to want that's worth a grain of salt, people say, well, man, I'd love if they go get Jamarcus Shepard. I'd love that too. Y'all know how I feel about Jamarcus Shepard. But here's the deal. Mark, Jamarcus Shepard's not coming in here and running the current offense. It's going to be a completely different offense. Yeah, he's not going to take that job and be like, "Yeah, keep running, keep running the offense we've been running." Who, who are you going to get that that has experience being a coordinator if that's what you're going to do? You're not. Yeah. So yeah. the hope is that he can take the offense that Marcus Freeman wants and maximize it. That's the hope. That's the best case scenario. Will it happen? No one being honest or objective can say, "Oh yeah, for sure, for sure." Right. I'll just say this, Ryan, like you said, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful. So, so you can be right now. Able to get it done. Yeah. All you can be right now. Yep, agree. We had a question from Archer four five two. What's up, Archer? Who might surprisingly return for next year that could go pro, and who might surprisingly declare for the draft that would be expected to return? Why don't you take the first shot at this one, Mister NFL Draft Expert? I have a couple. I I guess my ideas are more who I hope, but I'm curious to hear yeah. what you have to say first. I mean, if I work through the offense, right? I, Audric Estime probably will and should leave. I don't think that there's going to be a surprise there. I think Joe Alt should and probably is going to leave. I don't think there's a potential surprise there, Archer. I think the one, the big one on offense that people are going to ask the most about leading up into the offseason is probably Blake Fisher as we get closer to the draft deadline. 
I think he should return. And I actually kind of feel like he will return, Brian. I, I don't know what it is about that one right now, but I feel like Blake is a player because there's also going to be, do you move him over to left tackle? If the left tackle position obviously comes open, if Joalt leaves. So I'll say, I'll say my early prediction is that Blake Fisher returns for another season on the offensive side of the football. Other than that, offensively, I, I don't see a ton of guys that would be, I mean, I guess the only other one would be like, if Mitchell Evan continued doing what he does, is he good enough to make the early jump to the NFL as a productive six foot five, 250 plus pound tight end? I guess he could be the surprise, but I'll also lean towards that he returns in 2024 as well. So I I, I, I think yeah. that the only surprise, I think slight surprises, because I've seen people in the chat say before that like they think Blake's going to leave. I'll say my surprise is that Blake Fisher returns for a fourth season. Like that's on the offensive side of football. Defensively, let, let me let me think, just. Add, yeah, you think you think it would be a surprise if Blake comes back? Because like the I, way I, he's I, played I, this year, I think for he'd some be, people, it'd be foolish to look at the NFL. Okay, I got you. Yeah, for I some people you. in the chat, they've said that they expect. I mean, because apparently there's draft sites that grade him as a third round or better pick, and I'm just like, I don't care about draft. Blake sites, Fisher's not right, making his cool. decision off of those people because there's and no if, way if NFL does, people are going to look at. Yeah. If, if and and I always tell draft prospect this every single year because I always see that the you know early draft prospects and, and the mock drafts guys only it only matters what the NFL thinks it only matters what they think mm-hmm. I could not care less and I know people at the site but like NFLDraftBuzz.com like I like Matt Buzz over there but like he's an analyst right he's not a he's not an NFL draft scout he's not he's not he's not in those rooms right. right? You know, and even the ESPN guys, they get their intel, but like they're wrong all the time as well because they also have to inject their feelings on players as well, as far as like where they would draft them and what they think about a player. So I think that for me, yes, Blake Fisher has not done well enough this year to even warrant it, really, in my opinion. But ultimately, it's a slight surprise because I see people kind of saying, oh, Blake's probably going to go pro all the time, which I think is a little yeah. that'd be but, foolish, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Defensively, Ryan thoughts i think a surprise would be if riley mills decides to come back slightly because he is a a player that i think has played pretty well this year and there's some buzz about that one howard cross i'm kind of i I don't know if there's a surprise one way or the other like would i be surprised if howard cross comes back for another year no would i be surprised if he went try to go to the nfl also no like i don't know i think the biggest surprise that you'll see because Cam Hart, I expect to go to the NFL because he's had a healthy season. And he's had a good season. I expect him to take that jump. I don't think there's going to be a surprise there. The only other spot that's like a little weird, Brian, is like linebacker, right? Like does JD jump this year? Does he come back for another year? Does Maris do the same? I just don't know what the linebackers are going to do. So I'm not, I'm not even like comfortable predicting what a surprise would be on, on the linebacker position because I genuinely don't know what JD or Maris are going to do. I have no idea right now. It's very interesting. Or, or what – that's going to be an interesting thing too. Is at some point in time the Notre Dame coaching staff, it won't be Al Golden. Yeah. If it's let see, there, the, my biggest crit- criticism, of Marcus Freeman, is I still feel he gives his assistant coaches too much authority to make those type of decisions, recruiting wise, player personnel wise, and that type of thing. He needs to be able to say, "Hey, listen, we're, we love these kids; they're great kids, but it's time for them to move on to the next level." And it's time for us to turn the page, at least at two of those three linebacker spots. Like my thing is, if it's up to me, I'm bringing one of them back. And I don't really care which one it is, but I'm bringing one of them back at the most. Yeah. Because as you said, it's time to turn the page. If 
Offensively, Ryan, the surprise that could leave, I think Mitchell Evans is the surprise that could leave. I don't think that he will. I have no knowledge that he will. But like you said, if he he plays the rest of the year like he has the last four games, you know, so he's had he's had 19 catches the last four games. If you add that to his his season total, he'll have uh, 43 catches, which is, you know, pretty, pretty good for a tight end. And if you look at the yards he's had the last four games, he's had 293 yards. If you add that to a season total, he'd have 649 yards, 43 catches for 649 yards for a junior. And if he's healthy, he's got to think about the fact that he's struggled to stay healthy in his career. I could maybe see that. What's the draft class like at tight end this year? I know there's Brock Bowers, but what is it like after him? It's it's okay. It's not it's not tremendous. I'm just trying to think of like a few of like the bigger names, but like so like maybe a kid Javion like him Sanders could, from Texas climb up. and like those types of guys. Yeah, he could climb. I, I think that the biggest question about Mitchell Evans is going to be that I think he brings a pretty cool baseline to the table. Right, he's a big body. He is a willing blocker. He's 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 got strong hands. He brings kind of the baseline stuff. I think the upside question is going to be there. You know, what does he test like? Is he going to be a guy that can run in the four sixes, for instance? Like, is he that type mm-hmm. of athlete? And then the other thing is that Mitchell's had some like just slight durability stuff, like nothing right. major, but like he's missed some games. You know, does he check out from a durability perspective? But he could climb certainly. I His mean, career production won't be great either because he only had four catches coming sure. into the season. But sure, he's been a For, yeah, forgivable I, to a degree when you got Michael Mayer on your team. But yes, yeah. yep, agree. Because oh sure, no, I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just you want to see a guy that's produced, and you're banking on one year, essentially, if you if you take him. But that's why I was curious because you know sometimes a you know this a a bad year to at a draft class or a good year on at a position could force guys to make decisions that maybe otherwise they wouldn't normally we, make. Like dude, we, we, this we, year's we class is eight week. Good. Yep. I was just going to say Troy Nicholas once went in the second round. So yes, that stuff happens all the time. That yeah, and and, time. and Mitchell, if he continues producing like he has, is going to have more production than what Troy Nicholas had at that particular time. So it'll be interesting. And I saw Michael Mayer finally had a bit of a breakout this past game. So that was nice. They, they finally threw him, him the ball. ball. Who would have? Who yeah. would have uh, thought? They threw him six times. And he had five catches for seventy-five yards. Who would have yeah. thought that that would happen? Imagine that. Honestly, imagine yeah. that. Yep. Ugh. He was the highest graded tight end by uh, Pro Football Focus, I think, this week as a receiver. So, yeah, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had 99 problems with BK1. It says, is it safe to assume that the defensive line is much more bought in to Al Washington's coaching than the units was last season? Enormously. And it's not because of what they did this week. And and, and let me explain. 
the defensive line was not asked to be a playmaking unit early in the year. And Ryan, you and I kept telling people, guys, I know that they're not producing numbers, but the defensive line is playing really well. It's what they're being asked to do. The fact that no matter what they were asked to do this year, they have done it hard and they have done it well is a very clear sign that they've bought in. So absolutely, because that was a big issue last year, Ryan. You and I heard tons of rumblings about that, about multiple players not buying in, you know, hearing like, well, well, under Coach Elston, it was this way. Well, that that's not an issue anymore. You know, that, go, that, those play guys are gone. go play at Michigan. Go play at Michigan. Right. Playing for Elston. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't heard any of those issues this year at all, but you just watch them play. There's a lot, yeah. like, the D line last year was so undisciplined. So undisciplined. Yep. This year's defense has been the exact opposite. They mm-hmm. play within whatever they're asked to do. They play within that structure incredibly well. Now, there's been mistakes and misses. Everybody has those. Everybody but has, yeah. in, in, the, the, the buy-in, I mean, you don't get that without buy-in. You just don't. You, you don't. I mean, even, you don't even, Maris, even like Jordan Batello, for instance, who's a little bit of a loose cannon at times, he has been very consistent for the most part, setting the edge and doing the little things, the, 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 the minute parts of playing the position, which speaks again to buy-in. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think he does that if there's not an attention to detail and it's not a, a, a unit that is, has belief in the guy that's coaching him every day. I think that there has to be yeah. that. There has to be that layer to it. has to be. And when you look at Al Washington, too, he hasn't been able to just play a bunch of fifth and sixth-year seniors this year either. He's got some. Riley Mills is a senior. Howard's a fifth. Javante's a sixth. Nana's a sixth. Uh, Batojo's a senior. But they've played Josh Burnham and Junior Tillamaka a lot this year. They're true sophomores that are converted linebackers. They've played Gabriel Rubio a lot this year, who's a junior but didn't play a ton as a freshman and yep. played a little bit last year. They've played Donovan. I mean, Donovan Heinrich was getting in the game playing a lot on Saturday. He was getting a right? lot. So he, I feel like he was yeah. getting a lot on Saturday. Yeah. His snaps are ramping up a little bit. You know, you you had, uh, yeah. you know, you had Bubacar come in. Jason I think, played a lot more last game. Yes, too, he did. Yeah. Nice Jason, so. um, uh, Josh Burnham got hurt late in the second quarter of that game, which is why Bubacar came in. And he gets a sack. So you, you – sometimes when, when a group's playing well, yeah, but it's like, there's a lot of older players there. Like you kind of expect that, but it's not just the older players that are playing well in the defensive line. I mean, Josh Burnham on the, uh, the second interception, if you go back and watch the play, they brought that corner fire, Ryan and Benjamin impacted it, but Josh Burnham slanted inside and took, I think it was the guard and just drove him right into Cabe's face and he gets his arm up and he impacted the throw as well. I mean, so just one of many guys that made plays on Saturday and you, you, I've, what do I always say this, Ryan? If it's one or two guys that are doing well or doing poorly, that's usually a player thing. It's, yep. And if, if it's one or two guys are playing well and the rest of the D-line's not playing well, then that's a those guys are just good players and the coaching isn't very good. When you get production across the board, that's that means, yes, you have talent, number one, but it means your talent sure. is being maximized from a coaching standpoint. You have to give yep. out Washington a ton of credit for that. A ton of credit for that. No well, we've always said it was never personal. We're going to evaluate the job you're doing. We criticized Al Galt Washington last year for the job that he did. But that doesn't have any impact on this year because this year, from the first game of the year, from Navy better. on, it started right Pretty away. Good. This D-line yep. has played at an incredibly high level to the point where what have we been begging for for the last month? Turn him loose. Turn his boys loose. Let him go. And every time they do, Man, they ball out. He plays, yeah. They ball out. 
We had another question from T Smith 0323. Why aren't people hyping up JD Bertrand or Cam Hart on the national level? Also, JD double tackle against USC was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Did you go back and look at that play, Ryan, on that the fourth and one mesh? I I didn't watch it, but it it, it stuck in my mind, man, because I could not believe that JD Bertrand made that play. That was a incredible play. Incredible. Yeah. I kind of. When it first happened, I was like, oh, no, I think that Caleb Williams is going to kind of break out of that somehow and then make like a stupid play. And I was like, he literally yeah. tackled both of them. That was fantastic. Yeah. Man. Good job. Yeah, no. Did you see the fumble recovery he had on the Bubakar sacks that Caleb had? The Caleb oh, had? oh, yeah. 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 That was, yeah. How do you do that? As you're getting uh, thrown to the ground, how do you reach down and grab the ball like that? That was sick. You must have huge that hands, man. Must have huge yeah. hands. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's get to the um, – oh, oh well, to answer the question. Answer the first yeah, part of the question. to answer the yes. question, to me, <laughs> with with Cam, it's simple. He didn't come into the season with a great reputation, like the reputation of an All-American player. And yep. that's, a, that's a position because most of these people watch these – most of the people that vote on these things, Ryan, in my opinion, are people that watch TV, watch the TV games. Yep. You can't really see it. They're not going to be like diving into the pro football focus numbers and being like, holy crap, that guy in eight games only giving up eight completions for 94 yards. Like, that's amazing. And the other part of it for Cam is because people don't throw at him, he's he, he's being averaging yep. bare, just over two attempts against him per game. He's thrown, he's been, according to pro football focus, he's been thrown at 19 times. Then he's played eight games. That's 2.4 attempts per game. So he's not getting a lot of production. He's got two forced fumbles in a, in a, and a pass, a couple pass breakups. That's it. No interceptions because nobody's thrown at him. And so it's the same reason. How can Kobe Bryant win the Jim Thorpe award when his teammate is the best corner in college football? Because Ahmed didn't put up a lot of numbers because nobody threw at him. That's, that's what yeah. these voters look like, look at, they look at numbers and they're going to look at Benjamin Morrison and, or excuse me, Cam Hart and be like, well, this guy only had, you know, Maybe gets like one pick late in the year, and he only had a couple breakups. Like, yeah, he he must not be great. It's like, well, yeah, he had those numbers because nobody threw at him, yeah. you know. And um, and and Benjamin Morrison steals a little bit of the spotlight, obviously, mm-hmm. from Cam as well. Like, he's the guy from a national perspective. Why? Because he's a freshman All American. He had six interceptions last year. So, like, that's the guy. And he's got like, a couple this year too. Yeah. Yep. And so Cam Hart's viewed as the sidekick in that cornerback duo. He's viewed as a yeah. sidekick. He doesn't have tremendous ball production. And he's also a little bit of an older prospect. I think that some of those voters also go crazy for like, oh, that guy's a sophomore and he's balling out. He's a junior and he's balling out. He's got draft hype. Like, it's not Cam necessarily. Yeah. Like, Cam is a fifth-year senior that is playing really well, but he's playing really well to the degree of like no one is testing this almost six-foot-three guy over there. All, yeah. yeah, at all. It's it's nuts. I mean, it really is. It. I mean, he's really played at an incredibly high level. It's it's been fun to watch. It really is. And so, no, he's not going to get the the credit he deserves. Like, would you say that Kool Aid McKinstry's playing good football this year, Ryan? I I haven't I, watched Kool Aid a ton this yeah. year so far. So I'm I think he's been pretty sure. good in the games yeah. I've watched. I think he's been pretty good. In sure. seven games, he's given up eleven catches for one hundred twenty-one yards. Okay. And you so say, well, he he doesn't have any picks either, and, and only two pass breakups. Yeah, but he came in with the rep. And his name's Kool Aid. So it, yeah. it, and he plays for Bama. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it, help. You know, Doesn't so, hurt. <laughs> so the, yeah, there's going to be things like that, that, that are just the reality is it's just, that's, that's what people look at. That's how those decisions are made. And yep. um, you know, K, uh, Kaylin King's been excellent this year in the games I've seen yep. like excellent. 
in seven six games, he's given up nine catches for ninety three yards. I mean, so very good, but it's very good, <laughs> but it's very good. But Cam's yep. given up eight catches for ninety four yards in eight games, right? Yep. And they've played Ohio State, USC, Louisville, Duke, NC State. You know, but the the NF, the people voting for these things don't look at that. To your point, yeah. they're going to look at the numbers and reputation, and, it, and I think the NFL draft buzz is an interesting as well, interesting one as well. And I I doubt he gets the love, but if it's being decided by football people, then Cam Hart's going to get a lot more attention, in my opinion. He would definitely get a lot more attention. JD, he, I mean JD's he's having an a very good year. But, linebacker, yeah. and that's part of I, it, right? That's I think JD's having a heck of a year, Ryan. But I, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's an All American. I don't know. I don't view him as an all-American type of player. He's having a very good year. That that I mean, there aren't many people that are as vocally supportive of JD Bertrand as what you're fine here at Irish Breakdown. Yep. But I can look at him and say, boy, he's a very important part to this defense. Yep. Very important part. And still say, but he's not an all-American type of player. Yep. Well, he's not an all-American type of player. And if like we're coming from a national perspective, even though he's been playing really well, including this past game against USC. He's an undersized linebacker who's a little bit of an older player, and he's not a he's not flashy, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not a flashy dude. He doesn't make like a ton of like these splash plays outside of like the double tackle where you're just like, right. dang man, who's that kid? Right? Yeah. Like he just he just does the little things. Like it's like two right. seven is usually just in the right spot and makes the plays that he should make, and that's great. That's what you want for right. a middle linebacker, but it's not going to be like like Jack Campbell was a guy last year that like all American teams loved Brian, right? Because He's 6'5", 250 pounds, mm-hmm. and had 140 tackles. Like, that's, right. you know what I mean? Like, that's, right. That's what you look at a guy like Peyton sells. Wilson, Ryan, to your point. You know, Peyton yes. Wilson's got 81 tackles. JD has 52. Peyton Wilson has seven and a half tackles for loss and four sacks. And you know what I mean? Like, there's those, there's those, those numbers. Danny Stutzman, who is considered a linebacker, has like 10 and a half tackles okay. for loss. Yeah. You know, and yep. so you're going to have things like that to where that's both what those vo- kids are both six foot four and look the parts, right? They look right. the part a little bit more potentially. Right. So, so this yeah. isn't, this isn't to take anything away from JD. It's just, some guys are just really good football players on a football team. They're not necessarily all American guys. And that's how I feel about, about JD. Now I think Howard Cross has played like an all American this year, flat out. I mean, sure. that's a guy that if, if you're asking me, why is a certain player not getting more all American love? The two guys that I would say need to be getting more All American love to your to your point, Ryan, is absolutely Howard Cross and 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 Cam Hart, absolutely, flat out. And and I do think that Howard Cross has gotten a little bit more buzz because I mean the Senior Bowl committee is talking about him a ton, and then like Pro Football Focus loves Howard Cross this year, right? So and they should like yeah yeah. Well, I I would say right now if like the season ended, I don't have the PFF grades in front of me, but like Howard Cross might be an All American by at least PFF. Yeah. If today. Oh yeah. Today. So yeah. I think I saw they have him as the like the number two ranked D lineman right now, like or D tackle so right he now, would cer- something he, like that. He would certainly be an All American today for Pro Football yeah. Focus. So yeah. Because what they do, they go off their grades, right? I mean, most of the time, that's yeah. how you get like yeah. all these Matt I mean, kids making All American honors and. Kane Madden making all American and all this other nonsense because it's just about their grades. Yeah, good, good question. Good question. Next one is from Cam Alt. If we knew eleven and one with the Ohio State loss, we would miss a college football playoff and lose a New Year's Six game to go eleven and two. Would you take that or us win or 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 get a New York Six win finish eleven and two? 
hundred percent take the win. I mean, that's always my answer. If you're telling me the record's going to be the same and it doesn't end with a championship, would I rather, would I rather go 11 and one and lose a bowl game or go 10 and two and win a bowl game? I'd flat out always rather win a bowl game. I mean, also be very, it'd be very defeating if you go 11 and one and don't make the playoffs too, if I'm reading it correctly. And then lose a bowl game. Like even if you were to say, you know, would I, would I rather get to the playoff and then lose the first round or go to the, you know, the, the, the New Year's six and win that one, I'd have to think about more. Right. right. Like you'd have to tell me, okay, well, is it a close loss and who is the close loss to, and who would the yep. New Year's six game win be over? Cause if you're going to say, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to the playoff and lose to Michigan or a rematch against Ohio state, or you go to New Year's six and you beat Oklahoma or Texas freaking taking the New Year's six game and beating Oklahoma or Texas, as opposed to yeah. going to a playoff and losing to Michigan. You know, if you're going to say, Hey, you're going to go to the playoff and you're going to play in a four quarter battle down to the wire. And George is going to beat you on a last second field goal. I might go with that. I might go with that, but it'd have to, that'd be the only exception, but guys, like I'm going to tell you, Ryan, people say that bowl games don't matter. It may not in certain ways, but bowl game results do impact your momentum and emotions as a football team going into the offseason, especially if you play in a big game. So, yep. uh, and the other thing too is a New Year's Six bowl game, I think, is one that has a greater chance of having more guys playing in the game as opposed to sitting out. Because they've never done it, right? They've never done right. it, which is your point. It's not like they're just playing in a bowl game where it's like, like if I'm Joe Alt, for instance, right? It's like, Hey, man, I just played in a bowl game last year and won. You know like, what I mean? Let's like, say I they get in the Gator that. Bowl again, Ryan. Let's say yeah. they get in the Gator Bowl again. Okay. Yeah, I just did that, man. That, that, that's right. not new. I just did that. I accomplished that already. You know, How's that so, leaving an additional market in Notre Dame? It's not. Right. We got exactly. a chance to go to the to the Cotton Bowl and play Texas and leave that Very mark. Different. Yeah. Very different. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I could see that. But I would take the latter. Yeah. 10 and 2. I, I, I would too as well. New Year's 6 Bowl win. Yep, I would take because again, you accomplished something that you have not accomplished in a very long time, which shows that you are going in a at least a different direction. Which different is sometimes better. This one is from Archer four five two. How does next year's schedule compare to this year? Who are the sneaky teams that could be better than expected, like Duke and Louisville this year? Well, I don't it's think so hard next to answer year's... the second parts, Archer, because yeah. like I, there's just so much roster movement that happens from a well, year to year. Well, there's a yeah, but... there's a couple things to me that make this a difficult question to answer, Ryan. Number one is the schedule's not complete yet. I, I believe right. there's still one more game to add. I don't know what kind of game they're going to add. Are they going to add a, a a mediocre team? Are they going to be able to add a power yeah. five? They got three bye weeks that they can work with. I mean, who are you going to add? I mean, my right. my feeling on the schedule changes if you're able to add Indiana compared to if you add uh, Ohio State back to the schedule or something like that. You know, I mean, right. it just depends on the schedule. But looking at it right now, uh, it's not nearly as tough as it is this year. Not nearly. Nah. Florida mm-hmm. State's still going to be very good next year. But they're going to lose a lot of dudes off that football team. Jordan Travis is gone. Both yep. of their receivers are probably gone. At least Keon Coleman's right. gone. Jared Verse is going to be gone. And Braden Fisk is going to be gone. There's going to be, a, a, I would imagine Fentrell Cypress is gone. They're going to lose a lot of guys off that football team. Yeah, he's a graduated senior, right? Cypress, who's that? I think. So I believe Cypress, so. Wasn't he a, I believe wasn't he so, graduated yeah. senior? Yeah. yeah, I believe so. So uh, to me, Ryan, 
you know, those, those, he was a 2019 kid. So that 19, 20, 21, 22. So he's a fifth year senior. So there's a lot of dudes on that team, on that team. They're going to be gone. Like Notre Dame's going to lose some guys. I think Notre Dame's better prepared to handle replacing those guys with non-transfers than Florida state is. They're going to have to go to the portal this year. I don't know who Notre Dame's starting quarterback is going to be, but I feel like there's a much better group of players to draw from on the current roster than Florida state. They may have to go to the portal next year. Now I still think Florida state is going to be very good, but you get them at home in November. USC next year. I don't care what portal quarterback they get. He's not going to be Caleb Williams. And I don't love that roster. I, I, it doesn't magically get better next year, you know, and, and even if Lincoln Riley's still their coach next year, that's going to be a tough game. But I've said this before. I think USC is a 500 football team without Caleb Williams. So they're going to have to get a lot of transfers this off season in order to, to fix that roster, in my opinion. But in a lot of ways, Ryan, the guys are getting his transfers are just replacing guys they're going to lose that were transfers in a lot of instances, you know? So, so you're going to lose some yeah. receivers. Okay. Well, you're just going to get new transfers to replace those guys in, in some instances. You're, you're going to lose a bunch well, of the, offensive the, linemen, get a bunch of new transfers yeah. to replace the offensive linemen. You know, it's like the, the one thing I'm most interested with Florida State, though, is that they have hit on some transfers over the last, uh, over the last couple of years, like getting Jared Verse. Getting Keon Coleman, those guys were kind of like Johnny Wilson, transfer Central guys. Cypress, like, Braden Fisk, yeah. Dylan Gibbons. Yeah, I mean, I mean but, but like, but like, what I'm saying is like Central Cypress, Braden Fisk, Dylan Gibbons, like those are all just good players, right? Yes, but you got a couple superstars as well in there. I because I'm, I'm the transfer portal thing is so volatile to me because it's like yeah, you get Kenneth Walker one year for Michigan State, and then next year. You bring in Jalen Berger, who's like not nearly that guy, right? right? So is Florida State able to keep hitting on those transfer portal hits? Yeah. If they don't, then you take a slight step back. Just a slight you gotta, so, You got to give them credit, Ryan, because they hit on the vast majority of those guys. Whether they're stars or – or because like Fentrell Cypress isn't a star. You are correct. Neither is Dylan Gibbons. But they were big upgrades over what was there before. Sure. And that's, I mean, they just, but they're just, man, they're just hitting on all those guys. I mean, it, but it's the only guy that you they gotta got to miss, miss occasionally, right? Like you're not going to yes, hit a hundred all the you time. You think but, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're doing a great job there, but you got Florida State at yeah. home. You got USC on the road. They're still going to be a good team, but they don't scare me as much without Caleb. Texas A&M on the road. They're being exposed a little bit right, right now. So is it going to be a new coaching staff as people are asking on the message board? Is it going to be Jimbo still? I still think it's going to be Jimbo for one more year. I think it's going to be Jimbo just because of the money. But still, that's a good football team. They're going to have a lot of kids coming back. Their quarterback's going to be healthy, I I believe, for next year. And he 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 makes a difference on that team. After that, Northern Illinois, Purdue, Miami of Ohio, Louisville will be at home. That'll be a very talented team. Again, they're that's a team that's going to start racking up a lot of transfers. Uh, like they have because it's an offense that kids are going to want to play in. Stanford is still going to not be very good. Georgia Tech won't be very good. Navy is Navy. Virginia stinks. So, no, the the schedule's not as tough right now as it was last year uh, or this year, but that could change depending on who that 12th team is that they add to the schedule. I'll yeah. say this. You know a team that's playing really, really good football right now on that schedule that nobody's talking about? Chuck Martin is doing a phenomenal job at Miami of Ohio this year. And he's yep. doing a great job. They're what five and one right now, and their only loss is a road game to Miami, Florida. Right? Yep. I mean, 
good for Chuck. I, one of my favorite guys. Really, no, there's. I'm sorry, I, I lied, Ryan. They're six and one right nice. now, so doing a really nice job, and they're beating people convincingly. They beat UMass by 13. They went on the road and beat Cincinnati, beat Dell State by 42, beat Kent State by 20, beat Bowling Green by 27, and they just beat Western Michigan on the road by 13. They got a big, big game this weekend though against Toledo, so that'll be a that'll be a big one. But yeah, he's doing a nice job. But yeah, they're not going to beat Notre Dame. Look, looking at that, I, I don't love. I didn't like the hire that Georgia Tech made. I didn't think that makes them a place that kids are going to want to go transfer to all of a sudden. Brent and King. yeah, I just I don't find that to they're be. Play, an they're playing pretty hire. hard for them though, which is kind yeah. of interesting. But we'll they're just not going to be talented enough where I'm concerned about that game. Virginia's not going to be very good. I don't see them being any better. You know, I could see Ryan Walters talking about team kids playing hard for a coach. Purdue doesn't have yeah. a lot of talent right now, but they play hard. I, I, they play hard. And yeah. it, you know, is he going to be able to get any transfers in to improve that roster by next year? I don't know. I, I, I don't know that that's going to. I think if you're going to, if I'm going to look at anybody that could be, Louisville's going to be really good next year, in my opinion. The longer Jeff Brom's there, the, the better they're going to be. They're going to be better in year two under him and the new staff than they were in year one, as far as knowledge of the system. You know, what's they got to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. They got like four transfer quarterbacks in this year. One of them starting. Then they got they got Harrison Bailey. They got Brady Allen. They got they got plenty of those guys. You know, Harrison um, Bailey. How many schools has that guy been at? That's this crazy. is his fourth school, I believe, right? At least he at was least at UNLV. Three, yeah, maybe four. He was at Tennessee. He was at UNLV. Yep. And now he's at Louisville. Let me let me go look. Let me go look because yeah, he's he's been at a lot of places, man. A lot of places. He just kind of has that look to him that yeah, I'm have to yeah. Played one year at UNLV. Looks like it was just UNLV in Tennessee. That's what it looks like. And now Louisville. Yeah. So that's an interesting kid, man. But yeah, I don't know, Ryan. Anybody on that schedule that kind of you look at it as a sneaky team. Like I don't see a team that's, you know. Here's the other part of it: who who fires a coach and hires a coach that that we're then concerned about. It's way, yeah. It's it's way too much to be answered yeah. in the off season. Like I I can't answer that. I mean, I, I tell you what: if Tony Elliott's still the coach of Virginia, I'm not worried about Virginia even slightly. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I know. All but I know. That is a Virginia's a place a that a coach team. can win, Ryan. I mean, that's a place that you could see yeah. them if they can get the right guy, can win. But they're not a place that's yep. going to win in year one because it's a harder place to get kids to come into right away. You're just, yep. you're, It's not going to be a place that's necessarily sexy right to go get a bunch of transfers, is my point. So yep. you can win at Virginia, but it's not a one-year turnaround situation there. Right. It's not. Yep. So I'm not as concerned about them. But, you know, they're going to have a lot of coaches going into year two, which also leaves some question marks about, we don't know a lot. I don't know really what Ryan Walters is as a D coordinator. I mean, as a head coach, here's what I do know that defense at Illinois hasn't been nearly as good since he left, you know? So what sure. does that mean? I don't know. They also lost a lot of NFL players. You know, you've got him going into year two. You've got Brom going into year two. Troy Taylor's going into year two. Brent Key's going into year two. And Tony Elliott's going into year three, right? There. That would be three. Yep. Right. Lincoln Riley into year three. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I don't think next year's schedules is tough. Have you looked at the 25 schedule, Ryan? That's a little bit tougher. No. You got AM at home, you at Arkansas, USC at home, at Miami, at Pitt, home against Purdue, home against USC, Navy, 
NC State and Syracuse at BC, and then there's two more games they have to add. So that's going to be a that's going to be an interesting schedule too. But yeah, next year's schedule won't be as tough as this year's schedule, unless mm-hmm. dramatic changes happen. Yeah. We had Nathan Milton who says, "There ever going to be an update on why Matt Bayless left and potential replacements? Is it normal to wait so long to hire his replacement?" Well, it was just well, a weird timing not... thing, right? Like it was yeah. kind of an abrupt thing, and then you're not going to disrupt the process going into the season and changing the strength coach at that point. Like I just nor is any coach that you'd want to hire. No coach that you want to hire is going to be willing to leave his program right before the season to come work for you or in the middle. Right. That's not a guy that because he's it's kind of like this is probably an example I shouldn't share. But you ever have that friend of yours that hooks up with a girl that cheated on her boyfriend with him? And then and then he's shocked like two months later that she cheated on him with another dude. It's like, how did you guys meet? Right. She cheated right. on you with her, her her boyfriend with you. Why are you so will you hire the strength coach who just bails on his team in the middle of the season? And then you're shocked in two years that he leaves you to go somewhere else in the middle of the season? No, that 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 says a lot about that guy's character, in my opinion. So you were just needed to get through the season. And they they get through the season, then they'll hire a new guy. As far as why Matt Bayless left, I won't ever be talking about those reasons. They're the the majority of them are not football related and they're just not anyone's business that's be that's with coach and what he's going through and whatever he's dealing with and it was a it was a family related thing are there some things where him and marcus freeman didn't see eye to eye yeah there's some things that him and marcus freeman didn't see eye to eye was he forced out because of that no he was not right and sometimes people have things going on in life they're a lot more important than sports and um that's that's it that's all i'll say us ma87 how would you get Sam Hartman and the outside receivers to get more com- confidence in the outside passing game? Well, one, they got to spend the time. They got to yeah. spend the time together. Number two, he's got, they've got to make more calls and design more things to say, hey, we're going to get this guy to football. Like we broke down that touchdown pass to Chris Tyree Ryan last night. And it was so clear that that's where they wanted that ball to go. Like the way sure. they designed it, they ran it earlier in the game with, with Tyree in number three and phase on it. Number two, and then they ran it later. They flipped it so they could get Tyree into the post. It was very clear this on this play. We're going right here on this play. And they've got to just do more to say, hey, Sam, we're calling this because we want to get Jade in the ball. We want to get Tobias the ball. Yeah. We want to get the ball outside. Isol- it's isolate the too. outside receivers. Yeah. Because yeah. yep. right now the mm-hmm. outside receivers are just clear outs. They're just clears. That's all they're doing is just running clear outs. They're not options. He's not even looking at them at all. There was five or six plays off the top of my head I can think of right now where an outside receiver was not just open, but in some instances quite open. He just never looked at him, just wouldn't look at him. So it's just, it's going to take some play calling to, to, to get that. And it's just going to take, those guys are going to have to step up and make a couple plays in practice to make Sam say, yeah, I got to get this guy to football, but you also got to call plays for him. If you're calling plays with the outside guys, are your third and fourth option. You're rarely going to get the ball over to him.